Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Welcome back to CRE Success, the podcast. We are up to season two, episode 13. Of course, in some buildings, not so much today, but maybe in the past, they didn't used to actually count level 13 on elevators because it was like unlucky. Well, I feel very lucky today to have met my guest on Clubhouse a few months ago. Now, Clubhouse is a social platform that I was really into, and I don't know if I got sidetracked or lost interests, but I'm not really on there anymore. However, in the few weeks that I was on there, I did make some really great connections, and Alison Weiss of CRE Recruiting is one of them. Alison has worked in three commercial real estate firms in talent acquisition before starting her own company. And today we're talking about all things recruitment. There's a lot of nuggets in this interview from Alison about how you can navigate your commercial real estate career. Alison has also set up a platform to help people in our industry do exactly that. So she's definitely a voice of reason and authority on this topic. Alison Weiss of CRE Recruiting is my special guest and I'll be speaking to her in just 30 seconds. 90% of the world's data was generated in the last two years. Credia is a business intelligence and analytics tool for commercial real estate professionals. Using real-time insights, track key portfolio metrics and benchmark against the market so you can make faster and well-informed decisions. With live dashboards and bespoke reporting, impress both your executive team and your property clients. It's time to turn data into your most valuable asset with Credia from Released. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Alison, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Darren. I'm so excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, the first thing that we do in all of our interviews on this podcast is step into the virtual elevator and we hear our guests give us their elevator pitch. So, Alison, you're up. It's your turn. Who are you? Awesome. Thanks, Darren. Well, my name is Allison Weiss, and I am focused on helping people to grow fulfilling careers and companies within commercial real estate. And I've been doing that for the last 12 years as a recruiter and seven years within the industry. That is a very clear positioning statement. I like that one. I need to, <laughs> I need to work on mine. So you're a recruitment professional who's kind of found their place within our industry. Would that be a fair statement? Yes, absolutely. I love commercial real estate. One, it's so dynamic. Um, two, I'm never going to be the smartest person in the room. So I'm always continuously learning and growing. And three, I just love the personalities and the people that our industry attracts. So what sort of personalities does commercial real estate <laughs> attract? Yeah, I think that the sort of people you want to have a beer with, um, which is what I'm all about. I think commercial real estate um, tends to attract big personalities and, and people who are interesting and dynamic and social. Um, and that's definitely my style and my personality too. Wonderful. Well, you did work at, I think, three commercial real estate service firms in talent yeah. acquisition before you founded CRE Recruiting in 2019. Apart from uh, your natural affinity with the people who work in the industry, why did you decide to go out on your own and start your own firm? Yeah. So I had spent most of my career in commercial real estate on the brokerage side of the business. So I was helping companies to recruit individual brokers, teams of brokers to identify acquisition targets. I was helping them to build um, programs and, and uh, campus recruiting and, and initiatives that, that sort of 
focused on their, their entire talent acquisition ecosystem. And it got to the point where I felt like I had done the same things over and over and over. And I was looking to learn a little bit more about our dynamic industry. There's so many different facets to commercial real estate. Brokerage is just one of many different verticals. And so I wanted to continue learning and growing outside of brokerage. And now I work with clients really across the entire spectrum from investor owner developers to, you know, the capital market side of the business, debt and equity firms, family offices, prop tech and CRE tech companies, and really everything in between. So for me, it was more about growth. It was also about helping companies that were maybe mid-size or in high growth phases to compete and scale effectively and to win the talent wars, um, which, as you know, have been really, you know, heating up the last several years in our industry and help them to position themselves as premier employers and compete with some of the larger firms that I had come from. Got it. So what's been the hardest thing about starting your own business? <laughs> you know, I think one, I'm a bit of an impatient person. And so I think everything took twice as long to do and cost twice as much money as I expected. But I think that's, that's maybe something you can identify with Darren, um, being a business owner yourself. I, I just think there's a little bit of a learning curve. You know, I think the toughest thing for me was really to start to say no. Um, I've been presented with a lot of incredible potential clients and opportunities, but having to figure out, you know, and prioritize, you know, where can I have the biggest impact? What companies really align with my specific goals and values? That might be the hardest part for me because I'm definitely a compulsive yeser and joiner. I want to help as many people as possible. So maybe learning to, to say no or to prioritize has, has been a learning curve for me. Yeah, I think when opportunities present themselves, sometimes you can get, oh, I know I can get excited. Okay, well, what, what, where's this going to lead? What's, what, yes, what, what's going to happen yes. with this? And then, yes. um, you know, for lack of a better term, you're kind of dealing with time wasters sometimes or things that aren't perhaps aligned with what it is that you're trying to do in the first place. Yeah, I think what you said is so crucial, you know, time wasters. I think one of the things um, that's, that's, consistent from my background in brokerage is this idea of going after high probability business and working on the things that are most likely to close or, or most fruitful. That's, that's a good um, sort of gut check for me when I'm, you know, spending a lot of time and maybe not getting the results. Is this high probability business? Does this have a likelihood to close? Um, and, and really making sure that I'm focusing where, where the revenue is going to sit um, is, is really something that I'm working on personally. High probability business. I like that term. I, I advise you know, members of my platform to spend more time on revenue generating activities, but yeah. if they can spend more time on revenue generating activities with high probability business, then they're going to be really doing what matters. I think love that. So Alison, we live in a, a pretty fast changing world. How's recruiting changed in the past, let's say um, four or five years? Well, I would say, you know, the advent of all the various different digital tools, social media coming to sort of preeminence uh, within our business has been really, really important. So I think, you know, one of the things that's different today from five years ago is the importance of a personal brand and articulating your own unique values and story to the market and really using all the various different channels that you're given to come together with a really comprehensive voice and an understanding of who you are and what you bring to the table and how that's special. 
I think, you know, the most successful candidates today are using those tools and platforms, but they're, they're not just using it to sell themselves. I think, you know, that's, that's sort of the misconception about social media, you know, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, any, any social media platform is that this is a bullhorn for you to sell to people. I think a lot of people treat it that way. It's really an opportunity for you to engage and add value to the conversation and to, to bring your unique gifts and skills and, and share and give before you expect to receive. I think the people who are using it most effectively are out there, you know, creating conversations, adding to conversations and sharing expertise in a way that people begin to know, like, and trust them before they've had to, you know, apply for a job or ask for a connection or what have you. So I think those are the things that have probably changed the most. Obviously the change has accelerated within the last 14 months, just due to COVID. Um, and with that came some unique challenges, you know, the zoom fatigue, I think is real <laughs> that we're all feeling. And now hopefully as the U S um, is sort of re-entering and returning to the office and conferences and things like that. Um, you know, I think we're, we're starting to engage in the ways that we used to, but I don't think the, the technology that we're utilizing today and we've utilized over the last 14 months is ever going to go away. I think it's just going to continue to be adopted as an option while we return to maybe some of the more traditional ways of doing business. I'd love to know too, Darren, from you, how things might be different I know you guys are ahead of the curve from a COVID standpoint. So how has the world been different maybe in the last few months uh, in Australia? Certainly in-person events have returned and there is uh, less social distancing when you're at those events and no masks and all of that thing, which is a fantastic thing. And uh, next month I'm going to Sydney and Brisbane to speak at uh, a couple of symposiums for a, for a client of mine, which I'm excited about. And I've had the opportunity to go and pitch for business with corporate clients in other states, which is good. And that's opening up new opportunities for me. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And I'm so, I'm a little jealous that you guys are already doing all these things in person. We're just starting to do it. And you know, different states are in different sort of phases of that. But to me, it's all positive. Our business is such a relationship business. And I do, I look for the silver linings all the time with COVID and, and anytime something just doesn't go as we plan it. And I think it really has forced our hand in a positive way to get better about technology as an industry, because I don't think that's something we're traditionally known for being progressive about going to ask you actually, how do you see commercial real estate as an industry in terms of its adoption of technology? And you, you already offered up an, an answer on that. You know, there's an old adage that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I think in the digital world, perhaps there's been a change in that because it's possible to know more people through uh, using platforms like social media and accelerating the know, like, and trust process. From a recruiting perspective, do you do you need to still know people to open doors to be a genuine contender for opportunities or are personal relationships and that personal Rolodex, if you like, less relevant in today's market when you're pursuing employment opportunities? You know, that's such a good question because I think there are people out there who think, you know, if I can master this social media game, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to maybe 
maybe I don't have to rely as much on the one-to-one or the actual relationship behind the screen. And I actually, I I think it's a media uh, or a medium. I think it's a channel. I don't think it's a replacement. I think, you know, the way that I use social media in my business, what's been most effective for me is to use the individual platform, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Clubhouse, to facilitate a one-to-one connection. The goal is always to meet the person, you know, if I can, you know, face-to-face is ideal. If I can't meet them face-to-face, if I can do a Zoom call or a FaceTime or find some other creative means of seeing this person's face and making that, um, you know, that personal connection, I don't think social media or digital platforms like LinkedIn or Clubhouse are ever going to replace the absolute crucial aspects of relationship building in our industry. And I think, you know, people throw out all these terms and buzzwords about it, like, you know, the social networking or, um, you know, uh, the digital landscape or whatever. It's just an open door to a personal relationship, to a face-to-face contact, and we should treat it that way. It's a way for us to manage and maximize our interactions. It's not a replacement for those things, if that makes sense. Oh, it perfectly makes sense. I want to ask you now some questions about, from a recruiter's perspective, some of our listeners might want to hear. Uh, The first thing I want to ask you is, what's a common mistake that you see applicants make in a recruitment process? Such a good question. And I see so many mistakes. I am going to choose one that I think is, is pretty universal. I think one of the greatest clues that you're given when applying for a job is the job description. And that job description, think about it as a checklist. A recruiter is going through your resume with this mental checklist in mind. And so you should take cues from the language that they use and from the way that they rank the different things that they're looking for, whether it's a skill set, an experience, a software program. Um, And so as you are editing your resume, thinking about using some of the similar keywords, you know, for instance, if, if their vernacular is multifamily versus apartments, you know, even making those small tweaks just helps them to more quickly get to the yes. Um, You know, the yes is I want to move this person to the next stage for review, or yes, I want to pick up the phone and call this person, or I want to email and schedule um, an interview with this person, you want to, as quickly as you possibly can, check enough of their boxes to get them to move you to the next step. Because recruiters today are dealing with unprecedented levels of applications. Um, They generally are spending just a few seconds reviewing that resume before making a determination. Are you into the next stage or are you out of the process entirely? So using that job description as a checklist, you know, if you have the skill and experience, but it doesn't live on your resume, I want to make it simple for the laziest worst recruiter to make a yes on your resume. So um, that's sort of tongue in cheek. We just want to make it simple for them to say yes. And that means keywords. That means, you know, having all the skills and, and things that are in alignment with what they're looking for that are true about your background. So don't falsify things, um, but use that resume um, or that job description as a checklist when revising your resume. Let's move to the other side of the table now. As an interviewer, what's a question that you think is very important to ask? I think the most important thing as 
um, you know, a company, when you're thinking about hiring this person into the organization is to think not only about skills, but think about, you know, sort of the alignment, the values alignment. Um, so knowing who you are as a company, what is your mission? What vision do you have for the future? What are the things that you really value in a person? And realizing as well, I think from a company standpoint, you know, sometimes when we're building these job descriptions, what we're doing is we're creating these, you know, mythical people that don't exist in reality. You know, there, there are companies out there who are looking for someone right now who has three years of experience with Clubhouse. Well, we know that that person does not exist. So being willing to understand the, um, the need to haves, the nice to haves, and, you know, really recognizing that the person in front of you is also capable of learning and asking questions accordingly, I think is, is the best thing to do because it is a highly competitive market. Um, I know because of the news, there are a lot of companies out there that feel like there are just these endless amounts and pools of candidates looking for jobs. And so, you know, you're really in control. I do think the candidate is, is, you know, equally in control today. And so as much as you are, you know, um, as much as you're actively selecting people, you're also trying to attract them. And, and so I think sometimes companies lose, lose sight of that in the interviewing process. What's a common trait that you have observed amongst candidates that get job offers? Oh, wow. Um, I think engagement, and I think engagement is a lot of different things. I think, you know, engagement sometimes is body language and, you know, affirmative responses and nodding along and mirroring sort of the body language of the interviewer. I think engagement can also be preparation. I think, you know, preparation breeds confidence, um, both, you know, that internal confidence that you have. And that's the first step. Being confident in yourself is the first step in getting people to be confident about hiring you or making a decision to move you on to the next level. So I would say being really engaged in the process, your follow through after an interview, sending a really um, succinct but effective um, after interview thank you note, um, and really being prepared and knowing the people that you're going to be meeting with and having questions specifically tailored to their experience and their background. Um, I think I think those are all incredible ways to to really stand out and be effective in the interview process. Succinct but effective. What a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, last question on on this sort of area. What's more important when selecting a candidate: chemistry with the interviewer or capability to fulfill the duties of the role? Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I think it's always capability. Um, I think chemistry is where people make a lot of decisions. A lot of decisions are made from a hiring perspective, unfortunately, on gut instinct. And as people, you know, it's our inherent, you know, biases and backgrounds that cause us to have better or worse chemistry with the people in front of us, mm -hmm. you know, just building connection, you know, you might've gone to the same school as someone. And, and that's, you know, that's a great, maybe connect connective point and it, that makes for a good conversation, but it doesn't necessarily mean the person is the right fit for the job. So I, I always will say that someone's capabilities are the most important thing. I'm also a realist. I know that people connect with the people who are like them, but that's also part of the reason I think our industry has a problem with 
uh, lack of diversity and equity and inclusion in all levels of organization. So um, questions related to capabilities and skills and, and can this person ultimately do the job? Those are the most important to me and should be the most important to our industry moving forward. Um, and, and that's, you know, that we could talk about for <laughs> hours and hours. Yeah, I, I fully agree with your answer. I, I thought about um, when I wrote that question, I really thought about it beforehand and I, I agree that um, capability is more important than chemistry. But yes, sometimes chemistry can trump capability in the eyes of the interviewer because ultimately we're all humans that make personal decisions and, and human error, for example. Such a good point. And just to piggyback on what you said for a second, I do want to point out that interviewing is a skill. And the skills that it requires to be a good interviewer and the skills that are required to perform in a specific job are not usually the same. And so thinking about that and really evaluating, you know, a person's capabilities for the actual role versus their capabilities as an interviewer, I think sometimes we need to be a little bit more open-minded and to remember that interviews can be incredibly um, anxiety provoking for, for people. And so doing everything we can as interviewers to set candidates at ease so they can really shine and be their true selves and open up to us, I think is um, a next level interviewing skill as an employee of a company um, that we should be working on every single day. Oh, I totally agree with that. I had a, um, a member come to me and say, oh, you know, I need to resign from my job. And, you know, he's quite nervous about it. And I said to him, look, don't feel too nervous because from your boss's perspective, it's going to be not so much of a big deal as it is to you. And I think when you're interviewing somebody, it's a much bigger deal for them than it is for the interviewer. And just recognizing that as the interviewer and trying to put that person at ease is such a good piece of advice because it is a big moment for anyone when you're going through the interview. So um, yeah, really relevant insight there. Um, last year you launched CRE at work. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So when COVID hit, um, our industry, anytime there's a recession or correction in the market, we tend to feel it maybe more, um, more acutely than maybe some other industries. And so hiring took a pause for a few months and I thought about where I could be of service to people. And, you know, with CRE recruiting, I love that business. I love, you know, everything that goes into recruiting, but truly I usually only hear from folks on the recruiting front when they either want to switch to a new company or a new opportunity or when companies are looking to grow. And those are just a couple different times throughout maybe a, a person's life cycle um, or career cycle, however you want to describe it. And there's so many other times where I think that people really need help and coaching and advice and, um, you know, information. You know, so if you're, if you're in your job and you're, you're understanding from conversations with friends and peers in the industry that your compensation is 30% below market, what, what do you do in that scenario? Or you're going in for a performance review. How do you prepare effectively to ensure that you have the best opportunity to advocate for an increase or for more responsibility or whatever the goal is? Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of things that we experience as employees that I experienced in my career before launching my business 
that there wasn't really a roadmap for. Um, these are things that we didn't take classes on in high school or college. And, and yes, you can find sort of disparate information um, on the internet, but I would rather hear from somebody within my industry who had been on the inside of some of these conversations and companies. And so that was the idea behind CRE at Work was helping people to navigate the everyday turbulence that might happen in their career. And also, you know, it's not just when people are having, you know, a problem, it's also being more strategic and creating a real vision around who you are and what you want to create, not just from a professional standpoint, but what sort of life do you want to lead and what, um, you know, sort of opportunities and companies and roles really fit in and align with that. Um, and so that was the thought behind it first was like, how do I just help people through a really difficult time? And, and some of it was me doing webinars on things like mindset and job searching strategically in this new digital world. Um, and some of it was, you know, working with students, um, whether they were coming out of undergraduate or master's programs, who all of a sudden, you know, had offers and internships rescinded. And how do I help those people to maximize the, the free time that they have now? Um, and be really effective and position themselves, you know, for when the recovery inevitably did happen, how to, you know, leverage that time, how to network, how to, you know, use their alumni connections and do everything that they possibly could to um, help the odds in their favor, if that makes sense. Oh, it does make sense. And I love how it was born through your sense of service when perhaps one part of your business was slowing down a little bit, but now you've created something which um, allows you to be of service and grow your business um, well into the future. So really, really like that. And you're offering it as a membership or how do people leverage the platform? Great question. So we are working on a couple different ways to work together. I've worked with folks in sort of a one-to-one career coaching capacity, and I'm doing some more of that. I'm working on some individual programs that are, you know, components of them are, you know, membership and community focus. So working with, you know, working with different groups of people in similar, maybe places in their careers and similar parts of the industry and taking them through different exercises and content and programs and courses and things like that. But there's a lot of things that are on the horizon for CRE at work. So if you're interested in sort of, you know, career development and strategy and working with us through that vehicle. If you go to creatwork.co, you can sign up for our mailing list and be updated on the different things that are coming up for us there. I have to ask you one more question before we finish up, Alison. Of course, yeah. How are, how are your dogs going on your tour through America? <laughs> You know, um, so Darren knows that I have been on a digital nomad journey since October of 2020 and things were smooth sailing for the most part on the doggy front. Although I'll tell you, they're pretty fat and happy, uh, (laughs) spending some time at their grandparents' house. One of them, unfortunately is she's 14. She's actually my first dog ever. Her name is Sophie. She's the sweetest girl. She is a Husky Chow and Rottweiler mix. And she is unfortunately a little bit challenged by the travels. So in this next new adventure of RV life, we're going from Airbnbs to my new RV. 
Juno is going to be my sole companion for the ride. And Sophie's going to spend some time with my parents here in Wisconsin. So they're good. They're happy. But Juno is the intrepid traveler. He's the full Husky. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely be sharing some more about my journey and some pictures so you can follow along. Yeah. Instagram handle. How can people follow that, Allison? Oh, great. Yeah. So my Instagram is Allison S. Weiss. Actually, all of my accounts, if you look up Allison S. Weiss, that's how you can find me. And I'll definitely get better about sharing um, some of the road trip stuff because I know that that's fun for people too. Awesome. Safe travels, Allison. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Darren. For more information about our guest, visit cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. Thank you once again, Alison, for being my guest today. Alison Weiss is the host of the Growing Careers and Companies podcast. If you enjoyed listening to her insights today, make sure you do check out her podcast as well. It only started a few weeks ago and it's already making a really big mark on the commercial real estate industry. Before we go, I'd like to invite you to check out our entire back catalogue of episodes of CRE Success, the podcast. If you're interested in not only career advice, but also hearing stories from how other people in our industry have navigated their careers, then we've got a ton of stories that you're going to enjoy, particularly from season one. This season, season two, we've been focusing more on skills development, speaking to subject matter experts from inside and outside the industry, but there are plenty of commercial real estate folks like Greg Lyons, Linda Day Harrison, Laurie Rowlandson, Gab Aguillon, to name a few that have already been on this season and we'll have more coming up later this season. So if you're enjoying CRE Success, the podcast, check out the back catalogue. You can download it all and then listen to us on the go. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co.